Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, American. Happy Wednesday, the Wednesday before the midterm elections. Lots of news breaking out. And we have two amazing guests here because there are so many dynamics going on in the final days of this election. Big ones, historic ones, shifts of the tectonic plates below the political alliances that have kind of governed America for the last three or four decades since I've been a conscious adult reporter. And we're going to try to get to some of them today. We've got two great guests to break it down. The first is Hogan Gidley, former Deputy Press Secretary for President Donald Trump, now one of the most important players at the America First Policy Institute, particularly when it comes to election integrity. He's been leading the fight of fixing the things that really need to be fixed. Some people have shiny objects and try to say, oh, there's a big problem over here. Hogan Gidley knows what the problems are. He's been advising presidential and Senate and congressional candidates for a long time. People like Mike Huckabee and Libby Dole, Donald Trump, some really big names. He's going to explain why this election cycle has gone so much different for Republicans and everyday Americans who care about election integrity, law and order, the rule of law in elections. A great example occurred last night. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court, by the way, controlled by Democrats because they're elected, ruled that ballots that have wrong dates or incorrectly filled out cannot be counted. That's something different than what was being done in 2020 during the pandemic election. But it's not going to happen in 2022. What is the lesson? We saw last week Wisconsin's top court rule that people cannot go and spoil ballots and then vote a second time. Oh, I made a mistake. I want to revote. I changed my mind. Can't do that in America. That's what the Wisconsin court's appeals court ruled last week. And then uh, three weeks ago in Michigan, no, bureaucrats can't throw out election observers like what happened in 2020. That is not legal either. Those are major changes. And they all, these uh, court rulings all reflect a different mindset in election integrity. That mindset change is that you can't litigate after an election and try to solve problems after a ballot has been run through the machine. You can't do it. The courts have been clear. That was the failure of 2020. What Republicans and conservatives and election integrity experts should have done was challenge things they saw going on before they happened. If you didn't like the consent decree that Governor Kemp and Brad Raffsenberger filed, challenge it before the election. If you don't like drop boxes, challenge it before the election. If you think no excuse absentee ballot exemptions for voter ID, like in Wisconsin, were unlawful, challenge them before the election. And in this election, that is what has been happening day in and day out. Republican National Committee, state parties, election integrity groups scoring win after win by litigating changes that are unauthorized by the law before election day, and the wins are piling up. And I think with these wins, comes a confidence in Americans to go back and vote. They actually trust that their vote's going to count, that it's going to be easy to vote, hard to cheat. That is the fundamental mind shift 
that has occurred in the 2022 election compared to 2020. And in a place where a lot of these things were resolved, Georgia, with the Georgia reform law, remember, Major League Baseball woke, pulled out. I think there is an extraordinary moment now to step back and reflect, because in Georgia, we have voter ID that's unquestioned. We have citizenship checks unquestioned. Stacey Abrams' lawsuit overtly rejected by a Democrat judge, an Obama-appointed judge. In Georgia, early voting is up compared to the last midterm election. By a lot, not a little, by a lot. You know what? If people trust that it's easy to vote and hard to cheat, they will come out and vote. You can't talk them off a ledge. They'll go do it. If they don't trust the system, they'll sit on their hands. If they don't like the candidates, they'll sit on their hands. Republicans, I think, learned the lesson of 2020 operationally, and that's been changing. We're going to talk about that with Hogan Gidley. The second thing that's going on, and I'm sure we'll talk to Hogan about it, but there is huge shifts of the political alliances that have dominated what is a Democratic voter, what is a Republican voter, really since the Ronald Reagan election. We know evangelicals are in the Republican column. We know Hispanics and African-Americans are in the Democrat column, union workers, and usually in the Democrat column, except when you have an interesting candidate like Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump that speaks to blue-collar workers and blue-collar families. But this election, and by the way, young voters, at least for the last two decades, trending to the Democrats. They come out of liberal colleges and liberal high schools, and they vote Democrat the way their instructors do until they you know, reconsider their life choices later in life. This election, there are fundamental changes, and we've been talking about a lot of them. We see a significant trend of Hispanic voters going to the Republican Party, a historic shift. We're seeing a slight shift, but it's a consequential shift of African-American voters going there. We see suburban moms who fled the party in 2020, mostly over Donald Trump's personality, coming back home to the Republican Party. But there's one that you haven't detected. We haven't been talking about it. Today, we're going to talk about it with Mark Meckler from the Convention of the States, one of the great Tea Party organizers of a decade ago, five million strong army in the Convention of States right now. He's been doing some incredible polling with Trafalgar, and here is the big headline. And a lot of people are just starting to pick up on this. Young voters, the youngest generations of voter, 18 to 24, who are we call them Gen Z, they're breaking from the Democratic Party. They are declaring very strongly that Democrats did not make the case to them, and they're turning to the Republicans. And in no place is this more obvious than in Michigan, where Tudor Dixon, the gubernatorial candidate, is surging ahead in some of the big polls that are coming out now, could very well defeat Gretchen Whitmer, who just two months ago was 17 points up in most of the polls. Young voters, Gen Z flipping on the Democratic Party saying, you didn't close the deal with me. Your ideas don't add up. You're not talking about what I care about. I don't want to pay $6 gas when I'm making $40,000 a year. I can't afford a home now thanks to your interest rate hikes. I can't afford my grocery bill or my grocery bill grocery card is half empty because I don't can't afford it. I can't get what I want at the grocery store like I did just a couple of years ago when Donald Trump was still in charge. That generational shift we're going to talk greatly about. It's one of the big things that haven't been caught in the election polling now. People are just starting to pay attention to particularly because of what's going on in Michigan. But Mark Meckler did a nationwide poll, and he caught this before anyone with the Trafalgar Group, with Mr. Cahaley, Robert Cahaley, who we had on the podcast recently. We're going to talk about that in the second half. So election integrity, winning before election day on election integrity, not trying to win afterwards, and a seismic shift in young voters to Republicans and rejecting Democrats. Both of those are going to be the focus today. Two great guests to do it. Hogan Gidley, former chief spokesman for the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, longtime advisor to important Republicans in this country, national figures in this country. And then the founder and the leader of the Convention of the States movement, Mark Meckler. Two big discussions back to back, a lot of news. And why waste any more time? We're going to go take a quick commercial break. When we come back, We'll have our interview with Hogan Giggly right after this. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected, 
for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest doesn't need any introduction. You saw him on TV nearly every day defending President Trump from the White House as Deputy Press Secretary. He is currently the vice chair of the Center for Election Integrity and a senior advisor for communications at the America First Policy Institute. He is Hogan Gidley. Hogan, great to have you on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Uh, Listen, we love what you're doing. You've been taking a lead on election integrity stuff day in and day out, finding the real things that matter, getting changes made. A big few weeks in the courts. It seems like law and order and election integrity is coming back. Big wins in Pennsylvania last night, Michigan and Wisconsin over the last few weeks. Do you feel like the effort to get things clarified before the elections is succeeding? It is. I think we're going to be a whole lot better off in 2022 than we were in 2020, but not as good as we're going to be in 2024. One of the things I like to tell people when I travel across the country is, you know, if you're if you're not if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And a lot of people in this country have been angry for a while about uh, the conditions of voting. I mean, we're talking about Florida in 2000. You had the the uh, dimpled chads, hanging ballots or hanging chads and dimple ballots. And we've replaced all that with mass mail-in and drop boxes, but people have been complaining about this for a while. You talk to people all the time, John. I do as well. People are more angry now. I mean, I've never seen people angrier in my life, but it's translating into action at the local level. You saw this with CRT and and, uh, uh, school board elections. You're seeing it with, you know, schools trying to trans our kids, and you're definitely seeing it in election integrity as well. People signing up to be poll watchers, people signing up to be poll workers. Um, and that's something we've not seen on our side in quite some time. We're exposing what's going on around the country. We're educating on how you solve it, how you fix it. And people are getting involved at the local level to ensure that every legal vote and every legal voter is protected this cycle. I think the big lesson learned from 2020, it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube after Election Day. If you see something, you got to say something and challenge it beforehand. That clearly worked last night with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, Republican National Committee, Pennsylvania Republican Party saying, hey, we don't like this guidance out there that ballots that don't have the proper dates on them can still be counted. Court says, no, no, if they're not filled out properly, they're not going to be counted. Getting those issues resolved before Election Day seems to be one of the big changes that conservatives and Republicans have achieved this election. You're right. And I think in, in large part because COVID is kind of in the rearview mirror now in, in, in 2020, it was consuming everything. So in the fog of that, a lot of these legislatures, uh, obviously the Constitution gives the right responsibility over to the legislatures to decide the time, manner, and place of elections at the state level. We all know that. But a lot of these legislatures just abdicated their responsibility over to rogue governors or secretaries of state or election boards or attorneys general 
and let them kind of run the run the show. And a lot of folks have just said, wait a minute, hold on. You're doing all of these things now in violation of our own state laws. No laws were changed. We're not going to keep those, uh, you know, procedures or methods in place that are clearly against the law. And we've got to challenge those in court. Thankfully, as you pointed out, we just won a court case in Pennsylvania, won one in Wisconsin as well. The drop boxes over there were a big problem. Uh, retroactively, they said, hey, those things are illegal. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know now. But they still have drop boxes, but they're in the polling locations as opposed to just set out all over the state, you know, for anyone to mess with unsecured and unmonitored. So now people will actually be standing there. You'll have videos uh, monitoring those too. So a lot of things are happening at the court level. Sadly, we have to take those things to court. But those are the kinds of successes that put things in place that will ultimately restore faith, trust, and confidence in the process that has been waning now for decades in this country. Yeah, that's really the key. And growing that confidence is going to benefit everyone, Republican, Democrat, Independent in the future. And it really was shaken by 2020. There was an interesting shenanigan in Wisconsin that I think gets at the concept of a permanent bureaucracy. The Wisconsin Election Commission created a lot of the rules that later were determined after the fact, as you pointed out so eloquently. Uh, we found out after the fact that drop boxes and exempting yourself from photo ID in Wisconsin because you were afraid of COVID weren't lawful actions. The Wisconsin Election Commission was the driving force for all of those things. This time around, they were trying to give some guidance that said, if you wanted to do have a do-over at the ballot, you could go and spoil your ballot and vote a second time. Change your vote if you had to change your mind. Wisconsin courts came down really harshly saying, that is not allowed in Wisconsin. But these permanent bureaucracies seem to have been captured by activists who have no regard for legislature's intent or the, the letter of the law. Interesting to watch the dynamic. Courts seem to be acting up and slapping these unelected bureaucrats down in a way I haven't seen in a long time. Is this a trend? And do the bureaucrats finally get the word that maybe they're not in charge? Man, I hope so. I mean, look, I think there's a process here that we all understand and we all respect. And for a long time, the left, I think, has just ignored all of that because they've not been pressured to adhere to the law. They've not been uh, exposed. Um, you know, if there's one thing the left hates, it's transparency, whether I, I mentioned with CRT or transing your kindergartners or election integrity. They don't like that curtain pulled back. They don't like people to see what's going on. You're just a peon. You're just you know, you're not elite. You're just one of the masses. You don't deserve to know. And you, and you dang sure don't deserve change. Uh, you know, in any form or fashion. But I think the people are kind of standing up here. And I, I still go back to the fact that there's one good thing about COVID. I think it's the desire for people to get involved. They saw what was going on behind that curtain in so many aspects. And they were like, while we're back here, let's take a look at some other things we have concerns about. And next thing you know, they realize the bureaucracies, uh, the elites are controlling so much more than they thought they were in a lot of different aspects of our life. You now see, of course, with the news story coming out um, that, that you guys had done a lot of reporting on that, what do you know, big tech was in, was in cahoots with the federal government to try and censor people with differing ideas. So, so the same thing applies with elections. We, we've seen people just kind of operating outside the law for a long time. Go back to 2020, Pennsylvania had 2.8 million mail-in ballots. Not one of them was signature match. That's obviously against the state law too. That doesn't mean those 2.8 million would have been for Trump. It doesn't mean they would have been for Biden. What it means is it was a violation of state law to count them, but they did so anyway. People, I think, are not only paying attention, but they're educating themselves on what to do, how to do it. They're getting involved. And thankfully, the courts, for whatever reason, I, I'll give Trump some credit for actually putting some people in there who, who follow their, the constitutions and, and follow the laws. And just, uh, you know, rule on, on the way the law is, not the way the, they want the law to be. But it's pretty black and white in a lot of these places on how things should be done. And for a long time, um, you know, judges, as we always complain about as, as people on the right, they just kind of make laws from the bench. In this case, we've seen a lot of victories of late, um, that have really gone to solidify, uh, the procedures and processes in place, uh, put out there by the legislatures. It's important. I, I think, I, I, look, I think we're going to still have some issues this election, no question, but I can't imagine what it would look like had people really not gotten involved at the local level and had we not won some of these court cases. Yeah, that's it's such an important thing. And offense is the key here, being ahead of the curve, detecting the problems. 
litigating them, getting them resolved. That's the big lesson I think we learned from 2020 when you look at the way this election has played out. Hey, hey, John, 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 real, real, real quick, real quick. You know, that, that, that's something I didn't address just then, but you said that was so important. Once that ballot goes to the machine, it's over. You can't put that toothpaste back in the tube, as you said. You can't put the, the ballot back in the envelope and try and interpret what someone was, was thinking when they voted. When you can take a look at these things ahead of time through the absentee process and the mail-in process and ask those questions and get the rulings right at the, at the judicial level, next thing you know, the, ones, the, the ballots that have any concern whatsoever, now all of a sudden they're provisional. We can fight those in court all day long because the signature doesn't match or the address isn't on there or the date isn't on there. Clearly rules in states that they have to be there. We can win those court battles. But once that thing goes through the machine, it's over. So I think you're right. Getting out ahead of it, going on the offense, exposing what's going on is really the key here to success. It really is. And it's the biggest lesson learned. You can really see the success. For a long time, I would say that the Democrats and Mark Elias outplayed the Republicans in the court game leading into elections. This year, they're losing regularly. Stacey Abrams lost a huge case in Georgia. And it seems as though Republicans have done a really good job litigating to get law and order restored to what had been a very messy election system. It's really interesting. Uh, you have represented and uh, advised some of the most, you know, some of the biggest names in politics, Donald Trump and Mike Huckabee, Elizabeth Dole. I want to just get your take on, as you look at the last two weeks of the election, it seems like independents are made up their mind and they're breaking in one direction. What's the dynamic that closed the deal for Republicans the way these polls are sh- shaping up? Well, and a new poll just came out within the last couple of hours showing suburban women flocking to the Republican Party as well. Look, I, I, that's right. I, look, I think, John, what we are doing, thankfully, are a couple things. Uh, one is, rightly so, Republican candidates are refusing to allow their Democrat opponents to break from Joe Biden. So it's no longer Warnock versus Herschel Walker. It is Biden-Warnock ticket versus Herschel Walker, right? It is Biden-Ryan in Ohio versus J.D. Vance. It's that type of tethering to Joe Biden that is problematic for these candidates because they don't have anything to run on. And the Republicans, thankfully, have used all of their might to address the issues that people care about. Of course, it's inflation and cost of living going through the roof. It is crime. It is the southern border. It is election integrity. It is parental rights. Those are kind of the top five issues polling shows across this country. Democrats are stuck on abortion. Green New Deal nonsense and things that no one really cares about. And the problems that the American people are facing, like I said, with high prices and high crime, Democrats are basically saying their, their campaign pitches. No, it isn't. No, you're not. You, you, crime's not high. You know, prices aren't high. And it's so funny. I just saw Bill Clinton out there giving a speech where he said, hey, guys, I got to be honest. We know inflation's bad. We know it's high. We know crime is high. And then you have Hillary Clinton over there saying, man, crime isn't high. What are these Republicans talking about? They don't have a cohesive message on their own side. Joe Biden's talking about Social Security, Medicare, important issues, but not in this cycle. The three top issues voters trust Republicans to handle, not Democrats. That, to me, is the real issue here. And as it gets closer and closer to the election, we know the summer months are controlled mainly by the media because people don't start paying attention until after Labor Day, and those months are controlled by people saying it's all about abortion, it's all about a Ukraine war, all of these things. When it gets time to pay attention, people look around and say, wait a minute, are these policies making my life better or making my life worse? And right now, the Democrats are in charge of a whole lot of things hurting American families. You hit it on the head. When I've been looking at some of the polling data the last couple of days, Trafalgar with the Convention of the States, the uh, political poll, 60-70% of Americans say that Democrats fail to make a case why they deserve more time in power. When you're at this point in the election, that is a death knell. And I think you you hit it, and it's fascinating because there's going to be another weird moment tonight. Americans say, listen, we're concerned about inflation, crime, uh, high gas prices, energy shortages, diesel shortages. Joe Biden, less than a week from elections, gave give a speech today about MAGA being too extreme. He's completely off message to what the American people want. You advise the president. You were in the White House. How does Joe Biden get this speech wrong tonight, focusing on a topic that has nothing to do with what Americans are concerned about? 
Well, let me remind you, to get a speech inside of a presidential teleprompter, you don't just get to type something up and it go up, okay? You've got to do this conceptually through layers and layers of legal arguments, of uh, particular policy arguments with your DPC, Domestic Policy Council, and other entities. Um, your comms team has to look at it. Your senior advisors have to look at it. It takes a lot to get a jot or a tittle change inside of a presidential teleprompter, no question. So this is not by accident. It's not Joe Biden. This is what his administration thinks is very important to the American people. Joe Biden agrees, of course, but that shows you the level of incompetence, ignorance, and just a complete sense of being out of touch with where the American people are. On, and on one breath, Joe Biden will say something like, we got some good Republicans. And on the next breath, he'll say, everyone who disagrees with my agenda is a socialist, is a fascist, you know, should, should be put in jail, should be, should be attacked. It, it, it doesn't work from a messaging standpoint, from a continuity, A to B, get you to C, get you to D. The speeches are always discombobulated. He can't read off a teleprompter. We know that's a problem. He can't speak coherent sentences. But the message and the policies, I think, are the most problematic for the people. We know there are some Democrats. That, you know, people always point to the Republican candidates. Oh, my gosh, look at all these candidates. The media says, oh, they're, they got some bad candidates. What about the Democrat candidates? <laughs> they got nothing to run on except being a rubber stamp for Joe Biden, which has hurt you know, whose policies have hurt the American people. And now you have Joe Biden going out there saying everyone who disagrees with me is a danger to democracy. No one's buying that. No one believes that. What they want are people in office who listen to them, hear their voices, and then put policies in place that fix the issues they're facing. That is not the Democrats. That is clearly the Republicans. Yeah, there's no doubt. The polling really shows it. There's a clarity in the polling I haven't seen really since about 1994, about this time in an election. And it's interesting. Bill Clinton took the message of the 1994 election, moved to the center, triangulated from the left wing of his party, which, by the way, where his wife was. Hillary Clinton was on the universal health care. Bill Clinton triangulated and did that. Do you see any possibility that these Democrats triangulate, move to the center, or do they double down after the election and, and try to keep going after their far left policies? Well, hot take of hot takes here. I think a lot of these folks are going to follow under the Keynesian philosophy of just more is better. It's because we didn't do it enough. We didn't talk about green energy enough. We didn't talk about, you know, Vladimir Putin enough, whatever it may be. Um, but I do think after this election, if Republicans have a big enough wave, I do think you're going to start to see the seeds or the groundwork being laid of getting Joe Biden out for the next 2024 election. I really do. I don't mean to sound weird or out of the out of the box here, but I think they're going to try to make a push to have someone else carry the mantle. And by the way, that mantle may be more radical than Joe Biden. It may be more um, it may be more covered in, uh, you know, middle America speak, but still have radical agenda items on, on their plate at, at their core. But I do think they're going to continue down this road at least for a little bit, because, I, again, I feel like they're in such a bubble and they're so myopic that, you know, they thought abortion was going to change the entire dynamic of the election. And talk about your all-time misinformation, disinformation campaigns. 63% of Americans thought once Roe v. Wade was overturned, it outlawed abortion nationwide. I mean, that's not true. It goes back to the states. But the fact the American people thought that shows you what they've been railing on for so long that seeps into the people's minds. I think after this election, if Republicans do their job and they win and they close strong here, it's going to be, you know, Katie barred the door for the Democrats because they're going to try and look for someone else to carry that mantle. Uh, and it's not going to be Joe Biden. There's an interesting story in the Hill today, which tends to be pretty careful. I used to work there, full disclosure. They have a column out saying maybe it is time to think about the 25th Amendment for Joe Biden. It's quoting Democrats. So you kind of get the sense that Democrats are looking for a brand change after the election. Maybe not a direction change. They seem to double down on it. But maybe Joe Biden isn't the brand they want to sell anymore. Very interesting but to that's see just that. Cause, that's just because they want power. That's, that's right. all it's about. Yeah. And if Joe Biden can't give them the power they want, yep. they'll go to somebody else. They'll just find someone else. Last question for you. As you look out, what are the bellwether races? When you're doing your tally sheet, because you're one of the most astute political observers I know, when you're doing your tally sheet on Tuesday night, what are the bellwethers that tell us something big has happened in America? I'm looking at Arizona with Kerry Lake and Laxalt out, out, out that direction in the country. I'm also looking at New York 
Um, I'm very intrigued by the Lee Zeldin. Absolutely. Um, that to me, the fact that Democrats are now spending money there too, I think is interesting. I do think Warnock and Herschel go into a, into a runoff, which will be bloody and brutal, especially if the, if the balance of the Senate is in power afterwards. Um, I'll tell you my sleeper pick. I don't think anyone's calling this. It's not a Senate race. It's a gubernatorial race. I think, I'm not sure. I think Sarah Sanders over in Arkansas may squeak it out by a point or two over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're going to win that one. I'm taking you on all yeah. those odds. What, a, what an ama- a second generation, though. What a, That's a, a dynasty in Arkansas. What an amazing thing. I've worked for both of them. I know. You have such a great connection. I think that's that's the bellwether we can count on for sure tonight. What do you think about Michigan? I'm curious what you thought. Michigan seems like it's in a cranky mood right now. I'm so glad you brought this up because I just went to Michigan and did an event for Tudor. Um, Tudor Dixon is, she came up first, first time I really had a chance to talk to her. I talked to her in the media, of course, but I was sitting having dinner with President Trump at Mar-a-Lago and Tudor approached the table and we talked for a moment and she introduced herself. and I said, oh, here's another person running for office and just kind of dismissed it because everyone kind of comes by and says, look at me, I'm running for office. And then I kind of went back and started researching. Then I started paying attention to that race and I realized what she was pushing for with, of course, low crime, bringing jobs back to Michigan and parental control, because Gretchen Whitmer just shut down the whole state. And, and by the way, whether it's Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer, anybody who tells the public, you can't do this, you can't go to dinner, you must wear masks, and then they go to dinner and don't wear masks, to me, that's just disqualifying. You have to live by the rules you set. And Gretchen Whitmer has not done that. I'm telling you, I remember when I worked for Rick Santorum running for president, remember back in 12, and there was a time in Iowa where we could go, I mean, we had more in common with the cows in the pasture by themselves than anybody else running for president. And then all of a sudden we caught fire and he couldn't take a step without microphones and throngs of people. Tudor Dixon is like that now. People are fired up. I gave a speech for her. And it was like I was giving a State of the Union where my side stands up and applauds after every sentence. Those people were engaged. They were fired up. And then Tudor got up and brought down the house. They asked substantive questions of her. They weren't platitudinal. They wanted to know specifics. She had answers. She had a vision. And she outlined that for the people there. Now, I'll wager there weren't a lot of folks in there undecided in that crowd. But I will tell you, if any of those folks in Michigan are paying attention and any of those folks are angry at the last four years they've had under Whitmer, Tudor Dixon is an option, I think, as another race I'm watching. I'm so glad you brought it up. I can't believe I forgot it since I traveled there. They are really fired up for her. They are. And you know what? There'll be a moment. If she wins, I think there was a moment you and I were watching the Virginia race in 2021. And when Terry McAuliffe had that bad debate moment with uh, Youngkin saying parents don't get a say over their kids' education, you just said, oh, my God, that's going to be a turning point. I think Gretchen Whitmer claiming, hey, I only kept kids out of school for three months. By the way, it was way more than that. Showed a callous disregard for the all the realities that the people in Michigan, the parents and the children went through. And if it turns, that's going to be one of those moments where Whitmer's disconnect from the public probably boomeranged in a way that we'll find out in the exit polling. That is such a great point, John. And I'll just say, just to say it, it must come as a shock to Michigander parents who are like, well, who are these kids running around my house for the last school year? If it was only three three months, who are these kids that I had to take off work to 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 watch all day? I had to pay someone to watch. I mean, it's so tone deaf. It's so detached from reality. And like you said, the word is boomerang. That's going to come back and hurt her, I think, in a big way there. You played a major role in that. That event in Michigan, I know, is greatly appreciated. And you've been doing so much work, AFPI in general, too. I mean, what it's amazing how quickly AFPI has jumped to the forefront of thought leadership in America. And I think after the election, you guys have some exciting stuff. You're going to start building that post-election agenda for the conservative movement. I can't wait to watch what that is. What's the best way to follow what you're doing, uh, Hogan? You're doing such amazing work. Well, thank you so much across Truth Social, Getter, and Twitter. I think we can say Twitter now that Elon Musk has taken over. Um, at, it's at J. Hogan Gidley, at J. Hogan Gidley. They're on Instagram and everywhere else. That's how you can find me, and I'm having updates all the time. Election night's going to be fun, and we're doing a lot of stuff, as you mentioned, over at AFPI. The America First policies we know are successful, and we know they're popular with a vast majority of the American people. It's not about right. It's not about left, as Newt Gingrich likes to say. It's about America. 
And if you put those policies in place, everyone has the opportunity to succeed. So that's what we're about. Follow me on on uh, on, on all the socials at, at J. Hogan Gidley, and uh, we'll give you some updates uh, pretty consistently. You have some of the best social posts. I learned so much. You're in that must-read category for me as a journalist every day. So folks, check out Hogan's great social feeds. They're, they're really worth it. They're, you get a lot. And I smile sometimes, too, because you have a lot of fun wit. I miss the wit from the podium. You've got a special talent. All they are are retweets of your stories. Ah, well, I like those, too. I have to admit. No, one, no wonder you like them so much. <laughs> I'm a little biased when those come out. Well, we're huge fans and uh, it's going to be an amazing week. We'll get you on after the election to make sense of it all and start to build the conversation on what has to happen next in America. But what a great honor to have you on, Hogan. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate it. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to have a great conversation with Mark Meckler. But before we do that, as you know, I tried to highlight one partner, strategic partner, advertiser, sponsor every day on this show because all of them have great products, all of them have great services, all of them support the mission of Just the News. They make the reporting that we do every day possible. Well, one of those sponsors that I want to shout out to you today just because they're doing such amazing work are my good friends at Heat Holders. Now, this is the time of year I go up to my cabin as often as I can on the weekends. I cut wood, the wind is cold, it's sometimes icy out there. I do not want to be cold when I'm holding a chainsaw or distract it when I'm holding my chainsaw or splitting wood on the log or going out hunting. Here is the great thing. Heat Holders keep you warm, starting with your feet. They have the best, warmest, most reliable thermal socks. I know because I wear them on my, under my boots when I'm out on the mountain cutting down wood or splitting wood or doing a project in the cold, stacking the wood. These are the best. Heat holders are the best. I've used all sorts of socks over the years and hats over the years, and all of them promise a lot. Very few deliver like what heat holders do. Now, why is it? Heat Holders uses a three-stage process with a cashmere-like advanced insulating yarn that's soft. You know, some socks that say they're warm, they're itchy. My feet are scratching all day. Not Heat Holders. They keep a soft touch to your skin while trapping the warm air closer to your skin. That's the key to keeping your feet warmer. Now, that not only makes socks, which by the way, I think are the best gift for Christmas or stocking stuffers. They also make hats, gloves, throws, and scarves. All of those make a difference. They are great holiday gifts. I'm going to get some for my family this holiday season. Heat holders are the best. And here's the deal. Because you're a member of the Justin News family, because you listen to John Solomon reports, you're going to get a special 15% discount on your order. And you're going to receive a free shipping on any order over $25. By the way, it's easy to spend $25 quickly. Get some great gifts. How do you do that? You go to heatholders.com, heatholders.com, and use the code JUSTNEWS at checkout. If you do that, heatholders.com, just news at 15% is going to be off your order at the end, and you're going to get free shipping on anything over $25 or more. You're going to be warm and comfortable. Your friends and family are going to be warm and comfortable this winter, this fall. All you got to do to get started is go to heatholders.com right now and use the code word JUSTNEWS. 15% off free shipping on orders over $25. Thank you, Heat Holders, for keeping me warm this fall and winter like you always have, but also for blessing the Justin News family with this incredible discount. Get ahead of Christmas. Do this now. All of your friends and family will be grateful the first time they go out in the cold with one of those Heat Holder socks or gloves or throws or scarves. Give the gift of warmth this Christmas season. 15% off, $25 or more. You're going to get free shipping. All you got to do is use the code JUSTNEWS at heatholders.com. All right, quick commercial break. When we come back, Mark Meckler going to be here from the Convention of the States. We're going to talk about some shocking polling about young voters in America. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News to become a four-year member for just 
$30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always love having this next guest on. He is a mover and shaker in the entire United States. He has built a 5 million person strong grassroots army. He is building a movement towards a convention of the states that's going to succeed. We're going to have a convention of the states sometime in the next decade, it looks like. And he's getting people activated where it matters, at the grassroots level. Everybody thinks the action's in Washington. The action's on the ground. You own the ground in the states and in the communities. You can take care of Washington through that. He is one, the one and only Mark Meckler. Mark, great to have you back on the show. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. You have some polling data. I love the work you do, Convention of States Action with Trafalgar Polling. I think you have some of the most insightful polls. And what I realize now is all the pollsters that weren't right in the summer and fall are just catching up to you in Trafalgar now. My guess is they knew all along they weren't right, but they want to make sure they get it right before the end of the election. There is some cataclysmic changes going on in the base of American electorate. And one of the things that's clear is the number of Americans who don't think that Joe Biden or Democrats have the country on the right footing and also haven't made the case that their policies work. Tell us what you found in this poll. Yeah, so overall, and this is, I would agree, the cataclysmic is the right word. 65.9% say the Democrats haven't made the case. And a week out from the midterms, that is a devastating number. And if you dig back in, you dive into the thing, even in among Democrats, a full 25% say that they roughly 25 to 28% say they haven't made the case. Most importantly, we've all been talking about independence. And when you look at independence, you've got about two thirds of independents saying that they haven't made the case. So this is just really devastating for Democrats going into this election. That's a big deal too. Independents are what decide the election, right? They're, they're the undecideds that go one way or the other, depending on who makes the case. And it seems to me that this is going to be a watershed election. When you look out, I know you keep your own tally and you're usually right on the money. What do you see the House and Senate splits if everything goes right on Tuesday night? You know, it's funny because I, I try not to predict until we're right up on the elections and we are. So we'll go we'll go live with this, which is I say Republicans pick up a minimum of 30 in the House. If it gets crazy, that could go as high as 40. I've seen a bunch slip to toss up or leans them from sure them. So in a wave, I think we could get to 40 seats. I think in the Senate, a minimum of a two-seat uh, majority for Republicans. That could go as high as five, maybe even six seats if it gets really crazy. And then the ones that don't get talked about as much, kind of the outliers, we're going to pick up a bunch of governor seats that were unexpected. The Oregon governor is really going to be an incredible win. I think if the pace continues the way it is, we're going to see uh, Kathy Hochul lose her seat in New York, and Lee Zeldin is going to be the first Republican governor in over 20 years. So there's a lot of great stuff in the legislatures, by the way, in the state legislatures where I do a lot of my work. We're going to see huge sweeps for Republican. We're going to see Minnesota flip so that both houses are red. We're going to see New Hampshire potentially flip to red. You could see Nevada flip to red, especially I'd say at least one house, maybe one house in Colorado flip to red. 
I mean, this is not just a wave election. This is a tsunami election. Every election turns on usually one or two questions. We affirm what you're doing. Hey, we like what you're doing, so we want to put you in for four more years, Reagan in 1984, Morning in America. Or we want to fire you because you're doing a bad job. This is not just firing Joe Biden in absentia. It's firing the entire leftward drift of the Democratic Party. People just feel disconnected. People who are lifelong Democrats, like, this is not my party anymore. And you're seeing that trend line, particularly in young voters, not the millennial generation, which I think still hangs out left, but maybe doesn't vote much. But Gen Z really seems to be moving towards a conservative libertarian future in America, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. And look, a lot of us, including me, have lamented the millennial generation, uh, now 25 to 34, roughly, and, and they are still left. But when you slip down one notch and go 18 to 24, young people, Gen Z, like on this question, do you believe Biden and the Democrats have made the case? 79.1% of 18 to 24-year-olds say no. And that number's exceedingly high, but I just want to give you the contrast. We think of old people as conservative, 65 plus, you know, that's only 59.6 say they haven't made the case. Still a big number, but a full 20 points higher for 18 to 24-year-olds. And, and I got to tell you, John, this is on everything we pull right now, from oil and gas to LGBT issues. All of it says that that Gen Z 18 to 24 cohort is the most conservative generation in American in the American body politic right now. It's so fascinating. And it's what I've been hearing from a lot of people. I talk about this when I'm on the road. I think Gen Z is a reaction to the millennials. They saw the millennials embrace all of this far left policy. And then they were homeless and jobless and living in mom's and dad's basement. And I think the generation that came behind him said, I'm not making that same mistake. I'm going to be free. And they don't want to pay $6 gas. They know what their budget is. It's so amazing to watch that Gen Z be a reactionary generation to the generation that came before it. What do conservatives, when you look at this polling data, what do conservatives and Republicans need to do to engage this young generation at the formative beginning of their political lives and make this a long-term snap into the Republican and conservative movement? Yeah, I would say a big part of this is understanding how to communicate with them because like, I'm 60 years old. I'm, I'm way away from this generation. They communicate very differently than folks our age do. I'll give you one of the big ones, and this sounds funny to people who don't understand it. You know, we all know what a meme is, right? And you get these internet memes, these pictures with text on them. This is literally the main communication method for 18 to 24 year olds. This is how they get their information. This is how they discover what the important stories and issues are. So we have to embrace what's called meme culture and we have to get good at it. And the only way we're going to do that, and this is the most important part, is we're going to hire people from that age cohort and we're going to have them teach us. And this tends to be a hard thing for older folks in politics to realize is we got to bring those people in and not just bring them in and hope that they stand it back and pass out the cookies, but that we give them real responsibility and authority and have them teach us how they communicate and what's important to them. That is such a great idea. And it's so anathema to the way politics works, right? You got to earn your stripes and maybe in 20 years you get to say, we need them to have a say at the table now because communications and politics, grassroots politics is changing. We got to understand before we get, you know, other people get, get there first. And that's the most important part of it. As you look out, you talked about governors and state legislatures also flipping. Everyone's been talking about House and Senate. I get why that's important. But if you pick up a few more legislatures, that's going to accelerate the move towards a convention of the states. Tell us what you're seeing and what if Minnesota flips? Is that a ripe area for the convention of states to make progress? Oh, yeah. So here's the way I look at it. The, the scoreboard goes to 34 because we need 34 states to call a convention to be controlled by both houses of Republicans. Right now, that number is 31. So we're literally three scores away from getting to that 34 number. Minnesota is going to flip. That would bring us to 32. New Hampshire would bring us to 33. Nevada potentially could bring us to 34. So we literally, in this cycle, could hit the magic number of 34 states that are controlled both houses by Republicans. Now, 19 states have passed the Convention of States resolution. So we've got 15 to go. But I've been told by a lot of state legislatures, look, we're hanging out because we don't know if you guys could ever get to 34. We don't want to waste the time. Man, when we're pushing that 34 number right on that 34 number, I think you're going to see them fall like dominoes. And I think we could see a convention of states quickly. It's an accelerating effect that happens. And uh, once one's in, many's in. And I think that's the brilliance of what you've been able to do is to create the domino effect. And it's starting now. What are the key things to watch for on election night that will be telltale signs? Not about who's going to win. That's an easy part, right? That we read the numbers, you get that. 
but where the country wants to be taken. What mandates will the Republicans get out of this election? So, like, if you want to know early, the one thing, literally one state and one area of one state that I will be paying attention to is North Carolina. I'll be looking at what's called the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Raleigh-Durham. Raleigh-Durham is a high-tech area. I mean, think of it as the Silicon Valley of North Carolina. And it's going to go Democrat. And the question is, how big or by how small of a margin? If you see a margin, say, under eight, and they're good at counting their votes there, it's going to come in pretty early. If you see a margin of eight or under, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath for Democrats all across the country. So that's the place I'm watching early. Uh, the other place that you're going to want to watch early because they're just so good at counting their votes is Florida. We're going to get early returns from Florida. It's an eastern state. Uh, plus, they're just excellent at counting their votes. So again, look at the margins and look at how big the win is for DeSantis. I mean, we're all expecting 10 points. If you end up with a 14-point, 15-point win for DeSantis, you, and you see a real blowout there, that's going to be sort of a harbinger of things to come as the country closes out the polls. Yeah, because it just keeps moving westward. It seems in the last two weeks, the undecided independents are all breaking in one direction. And I think you got the point, which is your polling pointed out why Democrats just didn't make the case. People are sitting there with high gas, high food, food shortages, violence in the streets, worries about the border. And the Democrats are talking about Donald Trump and January 6th and what investigation can we start? They're completely talking past the concerns of Americans. What do Democrats take from this election? Will they recalibrate? Will they do like Bill Clinton in 95 and try to move towards the center? Or do they double down on their far left thing and become even more marginalized? I think they double down, and I think it's because they literally just don't have a choice. And, and what I mean by that is the party goes to where the most enthusiastic base is. And all the money and all the excitement in the Democrat base is coming from the radical far left. So if they were to try to moderate, they're going to lose a huge portion of their base. And I just don't think they have it in them. to. I don't think they have that kind of fortitude to really lead. They're going to follow their base, and their base is taking them into the abyss. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. We've seen it a few times over history, and it often takes a long time to correct from, which means that you could have eight, ten years of Republican rule in a lot of these places. Do the Republicans enter the post-election period with the right mindset, meaning status quo or incremental change is not going to get them reelected. Americans are looking for a radical shift in how Washington and the government in America is going to change. Do you think the Republicans have the leaders and the mindset to seize the mandate that the voters are likely to give them? I'm going to say both yes and no on that one. The, the yes is, if you look at the young blood coming into the party, if you look at the Kerry Lakes and the Tudor Dixons, and, and maybe if we get a good result in Washington, you'll have Senator Tiffany Smiley, you know, we'll have Smiley defeat Patty Murray. That would be amazing, wouldn't it, in Washington? Oregon and Washington turning red, yep. yeah. So you've got, and you've got Lee Zeldin, and so there's a bunch of young people coming up in the party, Blake Masters. If these people have any leadership roles, and, and they may just by the stature and speed of their rise, then we'll be headed in the right direction with the party. The problem is when I look at the party and the actual party leadership, when I look at Mitch McConnell, when I look at Kevin McCarthy and the people they surround them with and their leadership teams, no, they're, they're not prepared to do anything. These, these guys are not even incrementalists for change. They're status quo guys. And so I think there's going to be a fight inside the party. I think the thing to look at right away after the election, uh, based on margins, you're going to see power jockeying in the House of Representatives. I think McConnell, I mean, sorry, McCarthy is going to be speaker. The question is, who's the whip? And there's going to be a serious fight. It's already going on between Emmer and Banks. Banks is going to be a better whip. If he's going to be a whip for the people who are there for the right reasons, as opposed to a whip for just McCarthy. So I'm hoping that's Banks, and I hope folks' constituents weigh in. And the second is McConnell in the Senate. There's an open war that's broken out between Mitch McConnell and Rick Scott, the head of the NRSC. Scott is not running for leader. It's not that. It's just... You know, you had McConnell abandon Balduck, General Balduck, up in New Hampshire in the race against Maggie Hassan. And he's now competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Rick Scott jumped in with the NRSC and dumped the money in and saved him. And Balduck says he's, you know, his big thing is he's not voting for McConnell for leader. So there is a fight developing for leadership in the Senate, though it's not an openly declared leadership fight. Right now. There are two moments in the McConnell summer and fall that really shocked me. I think the first is when he made the comment in August that, 
Senate probably can't win because we don't have good candidates. Even if you don't think you have good candidates, you don't say it aloud. That's the cardinal rule of politics. But the truth of the matter is he's underestimating the quality of the candidates they have. And we've proven that. The polling has proven that. Then he goes and he doesn't endorse and he spends money against the state party nominated Senate candidate in Alaska, Kelly Chewbacca, which that violates the ultimate pull. You never pull a hand grenade and drop the hand grenade in your own foxhole. Those two things have really rattled a lot of the senators that I've talked to. Do you think there's a chance that McConnell gets seriously challenged for leader? Look, I, I do think there's a chance. It's not, I would say that it's not an organized challenge right now. And one of the things that that we have to start thinking about as citizens, as people are paying attention to politics, is how do we help that happen? And this is one of the reasons that I'm talking about this with you is because, you know, I, I think McConnell needs to not be leader anymore. He's shown he's not fit to lead anymore. And, and by the way, I want to say I'm not a McConnell hater. Thank God for Mitch McConnell, because otherwise the Supreme Court wouldn't be what it is. Well, he has an amazing record to rest on, but maybe it's time for him to rest on it. I, I think it's time for him to rest on it. And so I think that fight could happen. I think it's important for people like you and I to start talking about it publicly and letting people know that it could happen. Yeah, that's such an important thing. I've heard it privately behind the scenes. There are just Senate and Senate staffers who feel like McConnell just made some really big blunders in this election. And if, if it turns out to be a four, five, six you know, seat majority, Rick Scott's going to have been right and McConnell's going to be on the wrong side of, of history. And that's never good for a leader to be upside down on the, on, on the win. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, like I've been watching Rick Scott. I met him be before he even went into politics. He's an incredibly smart guy. He's a very conservative guy. He gets business. He understands how the economy works. I think he's a good leader. I think he would be a great leader in the United States Senate. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch what's about to happen there. It's going to be an interesting conversation. I want to turn to one last thing because you have always been a voice of liberty. We have seen in the last four years, five years, six years, a cancel culture and censorship wave across all of our big tech platforms, quite frankly, even in official Washington, in banks, people are getting canceled out in banks. It's just jaw dropping. Elon Musk comes in. I can't quite tell what he's really going to do. There are some early victories and there are, what's the censorship council about? Do you think this election sends a message to those who are tempted to censor, particularly those in government like Homeland Security, that the American people just spoke up and said no more? I think it sends that message, but I don't think they listen. I think the institutional culture in the agencies is rotten to the core. And so I think it's going to take more than that. I think it's going to take a Republican administration to root out the rot at these agencies. And that's not going to happen, obviously, until 2025. But we do have, and again, this is a leadership question. We have the ability in the House of Representatives for Republicans to defund anything they want to defund. And this is really important for conservatives to remember and demand. We don't have to fund 87,000 IRS agents. We don't have to fund the parts of the FBI that we think are corrupt, or even the whole FBI. We can demand reforms before we fund. And so there's all kinds of things that the Republicans can do without holding the White House. And we're going to have to hold them accountable so that they do those things and don't complain that they don't have the White House. There's an interesting conversation. I think it started in the Freedom Caucus with Andy Biggs. Quite frankly, it goes back to something that Paul Ryan said he was going to do. He never did it. But there's a thing called the Holman Rule. It's been around since the Civil War. And it basically is a simple majority vote of the House can defund a single person, a single program, or a single office, or a single agency if it isn't complying with federal law. That's all it has to be. So if not compliant, we conclude that you ever aren't complying, your budget's gone. Andy Biggs and the Freedom Caucus are big on it. A lot of lawmakers I've been talking to, including non-Freedom Caucus members, saying, you know what, I'm starting to fall in love with this idea. It's way better than impeachment. You just defund the guy. Do you think the Holman rule and tools like that become like a line item veto to really tighten up the insanity of spending in government? I think they should. And this is where the big question comes in about, uh, about McCarthy. I don't think he has the fortitude to do this stuff. And it's also the numbers are weird here, John. The bigger the majority that he gets, that McCarthy gets in the House of Representatives, the less incentive he has to deal with the Freedom Caucus, right? Because he's got more room to maneuver and he can afford to lose more votes. That's right. He can afford to lose votes. Right. So that's just a weird numbers thing. And by the way, in the Senate, it's kind of different because the bigger the majority, the more room there is to lose. I'm worried about if we have Murkowski and, and we have... Uh, um, what's his name in Utah and Mitt Romney and, and they end up, these guys end up driving the Senate because they're the swing votes. 
So close in the Senate means that we're going to be driven by the pseudo conservatives, the fake conservatives. Close in the House would give the Freedom Caucus more leverage. So it's just kind of a weird situation in both houses. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the interesting thing about a lot of the new freshmen, assuming that they are the freshmen, is that a lot of them are in the Joe Kent mold, right? Which is that they're kind of Freedom Caucus guys by nature. I mean, I'm not sure they've declared they're joining the caucus. But they have this sort of anti-establishment status quo is not an option. And it'll be very interesting to see how much tug they put on the new caucus when it when it assembles in November. November, December will be very important times, right? Because you'll pick your leaders. You'll set your rules for the floor. Will there be regular order? And then there's a decision in December. Do McCarthy and McConnell blink and let the Democrats do a long-term CR, or do they only kick it to January and say, hey, we won. We're not giving up a whole year of budget. Is that budget battle in December, the CR, really important? It's super important. And this is where the grassroots are going to have to hold the line with with, uh, the people in the House. And and remember, the new people won't be there yet. So this is a hard part. You're going to have all the outgoing folks, the people who have nothing to lose, but the people who have nests to feather, right? And so this is, this is a problem. The lobbyists are going to be at their most powerful. People are leaving. People are being promised jobs and all that stuff. And so this is going to be a very risky time for the republic come November. Also, it is very likely we're going to be in, in a runoff election in December uh, in Georgia, right? So unless you see Herschel Walker really surge and get over 50% it's possible in a wave, then we're going to have a runoff on December 6th. So we're not going to be out of election season here until the middle of December. Well, it's that sort of pressure in the system, though, that is going to let Americans know really quickly whether they got whether the people they elected got the mandate message or not. And I think those things in the leadership votes in November and the CR in December will let us know whether we have a caucus that understands the mandate it was given or whether they're just status quo with a little bit of extra oomph behind them. It's going to be really interesting. Mark, your prediction, what are the most important things to happen January, February, and March in the Congress? What's your wish list of things to get done to get this country back on its feet? Uh, so, I, of course, top of my list would be that, you know, you don't, you get just a short-term CR in December. And so we go to a budget fight immediately in the beginning of the year. The second thing would be we absolutely unequivocally, no matter what, defund these additional 87,000 IRS thugs. That's an easy one. It ought to be at the top of the list for Republicans. If they don't do it unequivocally, uh, then we know we have a serious problem on our hands. So those are the two things I'm going to be looking for early on. Yeah. And the rebound to not doing things, if Republicans get the wave that they look like they're going to get, inaction will actually become an extraordinarily painful punishment in 2024, 2026. I think the American people are serious. They want some significant change, not incremental status quoism. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they, the sense of urgency is there. But those, that's a good laundry list. Mark, we convene a year from now, get together again. We have you on the, how many more states do you think will be in the fold on the convention? Uh, I would say a minimum of six more. So we'll be, you know, we'll be pushing, we're at 15, I'm sorry, 19 right now. That'll take us to at least 25. We'll be within striking distance. And it could be more, again, based on the fact that if we get to 34 states or 33 states controlled by Republicans, you could see a run on this. Yeah. Yep. That is very important to watch. It is always exciting to talk to you. You have your finger on the pulse of America. Uh, your polling is amazing. Your grassroots army is amazing. For people who want to get involved with the convention, just real quick, how do they sign on if they're inspired what they heard today? Real simple. Go to conventionofstates.com and sign the petition. Click on the Take Action tab. And by the way, this gets you involved in all kinds of stuff. I mean, we do elections. We'll do over 450 elections around the country. We're pushing our activists are pushing pro-life legislation around the country, pro-gun legislation. So it's not just the convention. This is self-governance and citizen action at its finest. Conventionofstates.com. Yeah, such an important movement. Everybody is talking about it. It's really fascinating to listen to folks and feel the energy that's coming. A couple of years, you know, 10 years ago, ah, this is just a fancy little thing that gets the base going. This is a real movement now, and there's very few places in America that can boast an army of five, six million people. Pretty impressive what you've done, Mark, and always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks, John. Great being with you. Same here. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading Just the News. Thank you for sharing our stories on social media. I am so grateful. And also, thank you for supporting our advertisers and our sponsors and our strategic partners like you do, because it is their advertising that keeps our reporters able to do what they do. Our producers, our television show, Just the News, No Noise with Amanda Ed. You make it possible when you support those advertisers and they support us. And remember, one of those great advertisers, one of those great strategic partners, my good friends at Heat Holders, if you want to get a pair of those incredible socks, gloves, throws, scarves, hats, you want to stay warm or make a great family Christmas gift, all you got to do is go to heatholders.com, use the code JUSTNEWS, one word, JUSTNEWS, 15% off your purchase, free shipping if you order more than $25 Go bless the people at Heat Holders. They'll bless you back with a great warm product. You'll be warm this winter. So will your family and friends. But you're also going to get 15% off for supporting them. And they support us. So you're supporting us by doing that. All right, folks. Have a great night. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. We're going to have some big news. We're going to break a story on the show tomorrow about censorship in America. We're going to have that. Don't miss it. We'll cover that tomorrow. Come back and we'll have a little scoop, a little impact from our reporting on the culture of censorship in Washington, D.C. You won't want to miss it. All right. God bless. Good night. We'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget, check out justthenews.com whenever you need that news fix. We've got you covered 24-7. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and ZPAC. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.